0: Welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. I'm Kara Gormley-Metter filling in for Heather today, and I'm bummed because next healthcare attorney, Dara Coleman, is joining us virtually. I was hoping to be able to hang out with you <laughs> in the studio today, Dara. I know. Nice to see you. It's so great to see you. And also, I'm thinking that there might be a kind of intervention going on here, Dara, because today's guest is Dr. Sarah Allen, the founder and CEO and Chief Clinical Officer of the Skin Click, a growing company comprised of physicians and nurse practitioners who see patients from the comfort of their own home. But they do deal with aesthetic um, medicine. And earlier today, doctor, I was doing one of these at home. <laughs> and so I didn't know, Dara, if you just you invited me in today because you knew that that was going on. And I'm really interested in this
1: topic. No, I did not know, but I do know <laughs> that a lot of women um, of a certain age, not that you are, Kara, but I am. Oh, I am. Certainly <laughs> all are ages, interested um, yes. in this topic. And, you know, Sarah is such a wonderful practitioner and a wonderful ambassador of wellness and positive self care for all of us, all patients um, of all ages. And so it is such a wonderful opportunity for us. And I assure you, it was not. Um, anything but <laughs> coincidence, Kara, that you oh, are yeah. filling in. Um, we're very, very um, fortunate to have Dr. Sarah Allen with us because I think she's a wonderful advocate for overall wellness for all patients. Um, and we're very fortunate to have her with us so that she can educate us a little bit about her business model and also about the industry of um, cosmetic medicine, which is certainly, um, a wonderful growth opportunity for all physicians and also for consumers that we should all
0: um, learn about and and just a little bit of a background here dr allen's innovative medical group is dedicated to providing convenient, affordable access to medical grade treatments that help patients look and feel their best. We discussed and touched on that a little bit, but for folks like me who wanna learn more, can you just give us some of your background and what exactly you all are doing? I like this idea too, that there might be a home, you know, an element of home, you traveling.
2: So just kind of give us some of your background doc. Okay, well, thank y'all so much for having me. Um, Kara and Dara, I loved it when I saw it because it <laughs> rhymes, so thank y'all. Um, and and so you're right, Kara, I had kind of a non-traditional uh, way to get here. So I'm an internist by training and, um, and taught residents and medical students for years. And um, I found that, um, I'm sure you can imagine, internal medicine is quite heavy at times. And um, aesthetics is such a joyful part of medicine. So it, it truly helped me find joy in my practice of medicine again. And, and that was wonderful for me. Um, but I'm a busy mom. I have four girls. And, um, and I, I went to a physician's office to actually have this treatment for myself the first time. Um, and I had considered it for about five years. So I'll tell you, if you're thinking of getting anything done, it takes a very long time to work up the courage to do it. Yep. And that's totally normal. And um, so when I went, I felt um, very dismissed for a procedure that is intimidating to begin with, right? As a patient, you don't know what to expect, you don't know what's going to happen. And And I just felt very rushed and dismissed. And I knew when I left, I never wanted another patient to feel that way. So fast forward, um, I uh, founded the practice in 2018. Um, And yes, we do not have a brick and mortar. That's all we do is we go to patients' homes and we take care of them, um, which allows us to be um, very discretionary um, to take people's, um, their, confidential information, you know, just in the utmost importance, Um, and also allows us to connect with them in a way I really would have never anticipated. Um, And I'm sure Darren wants to hear about that. But um, just people open up so much more when you're in their home and in their trusted space. um, And they they confide in you lots of things that can be helpful.
0: Well, and the thing too, is this is a personal decision. And as you alluded that it took five years, it, it does take people time to decide what they wanna do. So I, I would assume having that comfort of being able to talk through with your medical professional about the different options out there and, and what's available does almost create that bond of more
2: familial. It does, it does, and it's, it's very rewarding.
1: Well, why don't we talk about that? Because I, I think your business model is so special Sarah, because it does create such a trusted intimacy between the provider and the patient um, that you're treating. And your business um, focuses really on the safe delivery of aesthetic services in the privacy of the patient's home or another, you know, comparable, very private um, clinical setting by fully trained and licensed and good standing physicians, APRNs and occasionally um, physician assistants. Can you tell our listeners what measures you and your other highly trained professionals take to ensure compliance with all of the safety um, guidelines that have been set forth by the South Carolina boards of medical examiners um, and nurses, just to make sure that everyone who's tuning in understands how safe this really is.
2: Right. So um, I'll say uh, this has been very difficult, right? So it has taken a lot of planning. I am obsessive about details. Dara would probably tell you that all day. Um, and, And I feel like we are not doing anything that has not been done before before for years, right? People have done this under the table for years, but we really are formalizing and standardizing a way to do it safely. Um, So yes, we have obviously supervision agreements that goes without saying. Unfortunately, we are not able to employ RNs um, because uh, we really need that um, autonomous decision-making at times. Um, We have very specific medical malpractice um, to the point that I write every off-label injection that we perform and the location that we perform it in um, on patients. We have um, just our equipment that we carry alone in our standardized protocols um, that our providers carry with them everywhere. Um, we have taken every measure to ensure that we are safe. And I like to tell people we are as safe or safer than a doctor's office or a med spa. I mean, this coming from myself who worked in a doctor's office for over 10 years. Um, And so a lot of people do ask me why home visits. And so I, I, as I mentioned, taught residents for years, and I taught them home visits as part of their curriculum. Um, and so for me, this was just an, a normal extension of my already um, expansive home visit practice, I'll say. And, um, and so that was kind of what sparked the idea.
1: And, and too, a bit I think of... it's important to note, this model was presented actually to the South Carolina Board of Medical
2: Examiners, right?
1: Yes. Sarah,
2: At can... your recommendation. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yes, and we asked for their input on the model um, prior to unveiling it. So it's important, I think, for all of our listeners to understand how very transparent and careful you've been in ensuring that um, the care is safely provided to your patients. Because while um, self-care is wonderful, it is only effective if it is provided safely, right? right.
2: Agreed, agreed 100%. Yes,
0: and and just from a layman's term, I'm assuming that when you're talking about different injections, that not all sites or facilities are created equal equally. I mean, with you being a doctor, a trained physician, um, not everybody is that's out there. So for folks who are thinking about um, taking part or or having a procedure done, what should they be looking out for?
2: That's a great question. So I would say vet your provider, right? Either by friends, um, family, uh, do your research, look up their credentials, um, look up their certification. I think that's very important. Um, So all of our providers go through a rigorous training program. We provide CME credit. So um, similar to attorneys, you get CLE, correct? Yeah, so similar to that. Um, And so, so we... I hate to say we put them through the ringer, but a little bit because we want them to be safe, right? Um, So definitely make sure that your provider has the credentials that are necessary um, and that they create a safe and clean environment anywhere that they are. If they're in an office, right, make sure that, everything is clean and safe, um, and, and ask questions, you know, don't just let them say, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Say, okay, well, why? Why would you do that? And if they can't explain to you why, that should be a red flag for you.
1: That, it, that level of patient engagement is, is really important, and I think that's something that makes your model really special, I'm just curious because this is something we talk about with all of our healthcare providers, particularly you know, in, in the last year and a half. How do you think COVID has affected the growth of
2: cosmetic medicine and particularly a concierge delivery yeah. model like yours? Yeah, so um, a few things happened. Um, I'll say what COVID did for a lot of us and then I'll say specifically what we did. Um, so for all aesthetic practices, I would say uh, their medical practice is booming, right? They're busier than they've ever been. People are on Zoom. They see themselves all day, every day, and they focus on that one thing that they can't stand that they want fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that has been uh, good for aesthetic practices as a whole because they did take such a huge hit, particularly in California. Um, and other states where practices were shut down for a very long period of time, right? Um, For us, we took it as an opportunity. I took it as an opportunity to breathe probably for the first time in two years Um, and really used it as an opportunity to get all of our processes in place, um, to make sure that we had every T crossed, every I dotted. We're very thoughtful about lots of things. Um, and we also took it as an opportunity to start our subscription skincare box, which was a lot of fun and a labor of love for Claire and us. So it was a little bit of joy in a very dark time.
1: Well, talk about that. What is your subscription?
2: Uh, yeah, okay. skincare box? What is that? Yeah. So medical grade skincare, a lot of times you can only get from a physician's practice. It's very difficult. You can't buy it online, certain lines. Um, so Zio Skin Health comes to mind, Skin Better. And so we wanted to find a way to bring that to our patients in a convenient way, but also attach them with a provider that could teach them how to use those products. So you can't, um, as a practice, you can't sell those products without a medical consultation. So we were able to provide that um, and and to provide our patients with just an extra level of care um, that also improved their outcomes.
0: You know, we were talking about cosmetic procedures, um, but that includes a wide variety of patients. So I I know a lot of folks um, are using Botox to help with migraines. Um, I've had friends who've had uh, some side effects from cancer where it affected their face and they needed some different procedures. So do you see all different types of clients? And what are the success rates with migraine and and Botox? everything i've read seems to have some sort of correlation there
2: it does it does and i feel like i have i'm a mixed picture on that one so in order to get botox for migraines you do have to jump through quite a few hoops right um, so you can't just go to your doctor and say, I would love Botox for my migraines. Typically, you have to fail two prophylactic medications, um, Metoprolol, Topamax, uh, some others that you could take. And then if you fail those at max dose, then you can talk to your neurologist typically about getting Botox for migraine headaches. There's a prior authorization process. Um, I tend to be in a camp. There are great prophylactic medications now. There are once monthly injections, so we may see less and less of that, but yeah, good question.
0: So again, do your homework.
2: Yeah, yes, definitely for that, and we, we do not do that procedure in our practice, mainly because we don't have the bandwidth to do the prior authorization process, um, and so we just let the neurologist handle that.
1: Which is really important. Um, so your emphasis really is on the cosmetic application
2: of yes. Botox, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So wonderful clarification um, as to what the limitation of your scope of yes. practice is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm really curious because it seems like cosmetic um, practice has just exploded in the mm-hmm. last maybe five years. Right. Even before COVID, when we were so focused on what people are seeing on Zoom and WebEx. What do you attribute that growth, Sarah?
2: Gosh. So I think we have better products than we've ever had. So Mm -hmm. interestingly, Um, Botox procedures have increased 459% since the year 2000. Wow. It is uh, currently a $60 billion industry, expected to be a $102 billion industry by 2026. Um, And I believe only 55, let me just think about this, yeah. Um, 55% of those will be invasive cosmetic procedures, the rest minimally invasive right so Botox Dermal Fillers chemical peels IPL things like that, Um, and so the other part that is exciting to I would say a physician entrepreneur and we can talk about some other concerns about that, um, is that really we've only scraped the surface. So we've only treated about 5% of the existing market for aesthetic patients in total across um, the world. And so that's exciting and a, an opportunity for a lot of people. I will say it's complicated because people who are non-medical see the opportunity there mm-hmm. and that concerns me, right? Because Um, I'm very lucky, I'm a physician, I can own a medical practice, but as you know, um, when a non-physician owner or a non-medical owner takes possession, that tends to complicate things and it really is for protection of the patients.
0: You talked about mentorship. Are you seeing a lot of folks that want to get into this field more and
2: more? Yes. Yes, and that, Kara, for me, is part of the scary part, right? There are so many people who want to do this because they think it might be an easy way to add revenue to their practice or, you know, any number of reasons. Um, It is really unfortunate the kind of outcomes that we are seeing in some parts of the aesthetic medicine practice, right? And so that is very frightening, very frightening. Are we have going. regulations ahead, actually in South Carolina. We have pretty good regulations. Uh, Florida, different. Everybody's different, right? So, But in South Carolina, I, I believe our patients are, for the most part, protected um, for this type of medicine. Go ahead,
1: Dara. I think I cut you off there for a second. That's okay. I was just going to ask you, um, Sarah, because you have been in this business for a while, what is your observation regarding the difference between the regulations of another aspect of medicine like internal medicine as opposed to the regulation of aesthetic medicine in south carolina
2: it's interesting to me and i know you and i have talked about this and in, in certain places aesthetic medicine is like the wild west right it's a frontier that's never been explored it's interesting to me in internal medicine and other parts of medicine you have so much regulation from insurance companies, right? So it's not just the medical board, but then you have the federal government and you have insurance and everyone's looking from every angle to make sure that everything is nice and neatly packaged. Um, But in aesthetic medicine, um, there really isn't that second layer of, um, discernment, I guess you could say. And so I, I just, um, it's very different, very different. And it's so different because particularly for a lot of young physicians, we've only ever known being employed by a hospital or a large healthcare system. And so most of us have never been trained in in any kind of business. And aesthetics is part business, part medicine. It's just a very odd gray zone um, that that I find very unique.
0: Dr. Allen, we're running out of time. If people want to learn more, um, obviously they can go to your website. Uh, Do you suggest folks call and ask
2: questions? Yes. Good question. So on our website, you can find a number where you can text our patient relations coordinator, um, we're the skinclick.com. click.com um, the skin click across all handles. Um, and my personal handle is uh, Sarah L Allen MD. So you can find me on Instagram that way. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank y'all so much.
0: Yes. And next time, if I get a chance to fill in, I want to be with you in studio. So Maybe Heather will have me come back.
1: (laughs) Oh, I hope so, Kara. And um, I want everyone to know I'm not there for a good reason. I had a wonderful opportunity to speak at an oncology um, patient-centered care conference in Nashville. So I would not have missed the opportunity to be with you, but for a a wonderful opportunity to talk about something really important. But it's always a pleasure to be with Dr. Sarah Allen. Always a pleasure to be with you, Kara. And again, we just want to thank the SkinClick um, for giving Sarah a few minutes away from work to spend time exactly. with us. We're so proud of the work that she's doing along with her other um, highly trained professionals um, who are doing the good work that they are. But I hope both of you have a great rest of the day. You too, thank y'all. Thank you Excellent. so
0: much. Thank you so much for joining us on Taking the Pulse a healthcare podcast, and we hope to see you next time. Have a great day. Stay safe, everybody.